You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, good morning. We are bringing this series called Ships into Port. This is the last one. This is a, a the title of this one is Stewardship. And again, in this whole series, we've talked about leadership and worship and ownership and discipleship and all sorts of different things. And the idea is that these are the vessels you and I get on board to lead us to the growth we actually want in ourselves. We want that growth, but what do we need to get on board that will take us there? And today we're going to talk about one of the most important ones, stewardship. And when you think of a ship and you think of a steward on a ship, that's a person who serves the captain. That's a person who serves the will of the ship. If you're on a cruise ship, the steward's going to help you with your luggage. They're going to get you to your room. They're going to explain things to you. Uh, They're a servant. But what happens all too often in the arena of stewardship, and you can be a steward in your life of your resources, of your time, your treasure, your talent, of what God's given you. You can be a steward in all sorts of areas. But what happens all too often in our lives is we're a steward But we go up, we knock on the bridge of the ship, we go inside, and we say, I'm the captain now. Please turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm the captain now. That's right. Husbands and wives are like, I know, I know. I know you are. Thank you. All too often, we kind of hijack the ship, don't we? We're on the ship and we're saying, okay, God, well, I want to get to the growth that I want, but in order to do so, I'm going to hijack it and try to do it my way. And so today I want to talk about the number one competitor for your hearts is how you and I handle the issue of money. I want you to realize, first of all, that you are way blessed. Do you realize of almost over 7 billion people on the planet, about half, 3.5 billion, live on just $2 a day? With that knowledge, how many of you would say, thank you, God, for where I live and for many of you where you were born and, right, you realize you're way blessed because, uh, I mean, that's just good news. Like, you are actually in a place where you would have discretionary income. You're in a place where you don't just have to scrape and survive on only $2 a day. The bad news is that chances are you and I might be below average givers, Below average, you you say this is interesting because studies show that as your income increases, your giving percentage decreases. So just grab that thought for a moment. As the percentage of your income goes up, the amount, the percentage that you actually give decreases. That's shocking, right? I mean, you would think that as your income goes up, the percentage of giving would go up because you'd have more margin between that percentage. But the studies show that almost the opposite happens The more you make, the less you give. In the United States, the average income person gives about 3.1% of what they make to charity. Okay, 3.1% of what they make to charity. That's the average income. But to those whose average income is below the poverty line, they don't give 3.1%. You know what they give? 5.2% of their income on average to charity. So think about that. The person who makes less is actually by percentage giving more than the person who makes an average income. And then when you go higher, let's say the person is way blessed. The person who makes like maybe $200,000 or more, they make a lot of money that you would say that person, what do they give? Do they give 3.1%? Do they give 5.2%? No. Studies show that they don't even give 1%. They give 0.07% on average if they make over $200,000. 
Isn't that shocking? You would think that it should go up, but the reality is there's this temptation inside of you and me that the more we make, the less we give. You say, well, how does that happen? Sometimes the more we have, the more what we have has us. It has your heart. It has the control in your life. And God is actually testing your heart. He wants to know in your life, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to love and trust God? Or are you going to love and trust money? That's what he wants to know. The number one competitor for your heart, and again, not for your head, the number one competitor in your life for your heart is money. Because money promises us things that honestly it can't deliver. It's a counterfeit God. It, it basically is a thing that will overpromise and underdeliver. right? You would say, well, I, I love money. I would want to trust money because money's going to promise me security. It's going to promise me freedom. It's going to promise me power. It's going to promise me significance. And in many avenues of life, we see that to some degree it does. However, only God can provide security, right? You could have all the money in the world, and you go to the doctor, and you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, and it doesn't matter how much money you have. Only God can bring you security in life, not money. Money can, all the time, it can overpromise and under-deliver. Money is a number one competitor for your heart, and God wants to know, are you going to love and trust money, or are you going to love and trust God? Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 6, 24, he said this, no one can serve two masters. And here's what he says. Either you're gonna hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And what's the issue? He's saying money is the number one competitor for your heart. And you're gonna be, your devotion's gonna go one of two ways. Your devotion is gonna be like, God, I'm gonna be a steward of the resources you've given me and you're gonna be God in my life or I'm going to walk up, knock on the bridge, open the door, and say, I'm the captain now. And the issue is not your role or your title. The issue is the heart. What do you trust? Behind all of our actions is always a fear. For example, if you procrastinate, you're going to go, well, why do I procrastinate? And sometimes you procrastinate because you fear that you won't get the job done, or you fear that you might do a bad job, or you fear that it might consume too much of your time, and studies will show that you just got to get beyond that fear. You got to address that fear and just say, okay, to stop procrastinating, I just need to start on the project. And once I start, I'll overcome my fear because I'll, I won't increase my stress by procrastinating more, but so often we'll find ourselves being distracted, right? Why? Because we're, we're putting something off. There's a core issue on the inside. In the same way with money, God knows that the number one competitor is for your heart. That your actions are showing what your heart actually is attached to. And so God wants to talk with us today about the issue of stewardship in relation to our resources. Am I going to love and trust money or am I going to love and trust God? Throughout scripture, we see this principle that I give God my first and my best and he will bless the rest. You say, that rhymes. Yes, it does. However, it's true that I will trust God with my first and the best, and God adds himself to the blessing of the other percent, and he just makes it go farther. He makes it go greater. So here's what I want you to do. Let's say that together. I give God my first and my best. Say that with me. I give God my first and my best, 
and he will bless the rest. Say that with me. And he will bless the rest. There's this weird economy that happens in your spiritual life, in your walk with a living God, the source, the creator, the provider of everything. And that is, God, when I honor you with the first, when I honor you with the best, then you actually make the leftover go farther than I could do on myself. And so what happens is we have this Hebrew word for the tithe. And the Hebrew word for tithe is ma'aser, and tithe means tenth. Everyone say tenth. Okay, I want to describe for you what a tenth is. If I gave you $10 bills and I asked for one back, that would be a tenth, right? It's one in ten. That's what tenth is. So whenever someone says the word tithe, they simply are just saying tenth. They're saying a percentage. That's the definition of a tithe. Tithe isn't some spiritual word for some levels of generosity. It's not some uh, effort that people would want to do. It's really a definition. In Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30, God said this, he said, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. God gives us the principle that we're to give him the firsts in our lives. That the first, in essence, the first payment we make, the first sign of devotion that we make is to God. And that's the tenth. And what happens often is we say, hey, wait a minute, I'm a steward of all God's given me. He's given me a hundred percent. He's given me 10 out of 10. And God says, I want one back. And we walk up and we knock on the bridge and we go, I want to be the captain of that one as well. Thank you very much for being my source, but I want to be the captain now. And that's what was happening to the people of Israel. The people of Israel, for a while, they were honoring God with the first. They were honoring him as God, and it was showing up in their behavior. But then our flesh creeps in, our fears creep in. And they started saying, you know, I want to manage this a little bit now. God, instead of just honoring what you say to do, I want to come in and be the captain now. And we, you'll remember in our series, Seven Checkpoints, we looked at the book of Malachi, that there were seven questions that the people asked God in the book of Malachi, and they're challenging God. They're, they're asking questions back to God. And in this series, Seven Questions, we dealt with the fact that God wanted to do two things in that book. First, God wanted to reassure the people of his love. He's like, I love you. I am so for you. I love you. And he wanted to address their disobedience. That there were certain ways that they were not being obedient to him in terms of how they walked in their lives. And so the seventh question that the people ask is, God, how in the world are we robbing you? Like, how do we hold up God? Like, how do we rob you? And this is what happens in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God says, I, the Lord, do not change, so that you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Isn't that good news? God's like, my faithfulness is faithful. Because of my love, you're not destroyed. But if I were just simply a vengeful God, y'all would be gone, right? That's kind of what he's saying, right? Then he goes on, he says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? We're a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. If you're taking notes today, I want you to understand something about the tithe. Tithing is not giving. It's returning what belongs to God. Tithing, honestly, isn't really even generosity. 
Generosity is what happens after you and I tithe, that we give above and beyond, that we say, God, I want to be generous. But tithe is simply saying, God, you've given me 100%, but you're asking for the tithe, the tenth. I'm going to return that back to you. That's returning to God what already belongs to him. When the Bible says bring the tithe into the storehouse, it doesn't say give the tithe. It's saying return the tithe, bring it, because it's not really ours. It's what we bring and return it to God. God owns everything. And the first and the best, the first 10%, belongs back to God. Likewise, to not return the tithe to the Lord is stealing. It's taking from God. And so the the passage goes on in Malachi 3, verse 8. But you ask, here's the question, right? How are we robbing you? And God's answer is this, quote, in tithes and offerings. So in other words, in the 10th, And in anything that you offer above and beyond that, you are not returning that to me. And please understand, this is an Old Testament context. If you were a Jewish person, you would give the tithe, and then you would give offerings. And offerings were things that you did oftentimes because of your sin. Like you would be like, oh, I'm going to give an offering above and beyond my tithe because I did something wrong. And so you would you'd offer up this unblemished animal or that unblemished animal. And, and sometimes you give like a thank offering. You'd just be like, God, I just want to thank you above and beyond the tithe. I want to say thanks. And, and you would do that. But I can't imagine what it was like. You might look at some people like, I have never seen so many sheep and goats be given by one person. I must have been a bad week, right, for those people because there was just so many sheep and goats that had to be slaughtered. Isn't it nice that we don't have to do that? Because Jesus became the final sacrifice. The one who would cancel out your sin and mine. He said, I will offer myself for your sin. But what he didn't do is say, so the tithe goes away. He didn't say that. In fact, the entire New Testament says this. The New Testament is all concerned about the heart. Jesus said, pay your taxes and pay your tithe. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and return to God what is God's. And then the rest of the New Testament all deals with the condition of our heart when it comes to generosity. Because some people could be like, well, I want to be generous so they look good. And the New Testament deals with that. Other people will say, I give begrudgingly because I have to. And again, the issue is the heart. And so what I want you to hear today is that God wants your heart to trust and love him. He wants the first of your heart. And one of the greatest ways that he challenges that in how we use our resources. So what does God say in verse 10? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Everyone say test. Okay, this is, God's given us the test. Are you honoring me with the first? And then he's flipping it saying, you can turn around and test me. It's not test the church. It's not, does the church want your money? It's God saying, listen, you return to me the tithe, and then you're putting me on the test. Isn't that good news? That you and I can test God in this way. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So he's saying, listen, you're under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you're robbing me, 
And for a long time, God had blessed his people. And other nations would look and go, man, it just doesn't, it just seems like these bad things that happen in the world just doesn't seem like they're quite happening to you. And they were honoring God with the first. The, the land of Israel was fruitful in the Mediterranean as compared to many other areas. And they would say, you're just blessed by God. And for years, God had blessed his people. But after a while, they began to cut back. Began to think, you know what? I can be the captain now. Uh, 10%'s a lot. So maybe I want to cut back on that and, and just see how it goes. And God basically said, they were bringing some of the tithe, but not the whole tithe. They were, you couldn't even call it the tithe. They were bringing some, but it wasn't the 10th, right? And so God is saying, okay, basically, if you don't want to honor me, then I'll just let you do without me. And pretty soon their crops started rotting, which was their, their income. It was their source. It was an agricultural society. They weren't doing so well. The economy tanked. And he said, if you want to ignore me, let's see how well it goes for you. This reminds me a lot of our current culture. When you try to kick God out, when you try to get rid of God, when you don't honor God as the first and you don't honor God in your life, if you're not doing things God's way, then, then the course of your nation, the course of your life will be on the downhill slope. What was happening? They forgot to bring God their first and their best, the tithe. This doesn't mean that if you tithe, your house wouldn't be wiped out by a hurricane. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't experience a natural disaster. It doesn't mean what it means is you and I are called stewards of what God has given us. You individually. Some of you are young in this room, and you're like, oh, well, i got to decide what I'm going to do about this when I'm an adult. You might be a high schooler. You might be a junior higher, and God's going, mm mm This is for your heart now. Like, are you as a junior higher, are you as a senior higher going to honor me with the first? Because your heart is at stake. And how much harder have you trained your whole life that it's all about me, 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 and then God goes, mm, it's about me, honor me with the first, and you go, ah, oh, it just seems so harsh. The people were forgetting to bring God their first and their best. But today I want to talk with you about the three blessings of the tithe. Number two in your outline says the tithe provides for God's work through his church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he says. The storehouse has always been the Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. And there'll be other leaders or people who will say, oh, you just divide your tithe up or do whatever, and, and they'll have opinion. But it goes against the weight of Scripture, which is that the Old Testament storehouse is always the picture of the New Testament church. Just like the old practices of the Old Testament are the picture of the living, active, breathing church that God is wanting to build, not made of simply of Jewish people, but of all nations. It's a beautiful picture. Bring the whole tithe into the house of God so that there may be food in my house. Do you realize that that's what's happening today? For many of you in this room, you are in the house of God. You're opening up the word of God. You're being spiritually fed. You're being nourished by the word of God. You're interacting with other people around you who are encouraging you, who are loving you. You're here with somebody and you're saying, God, how do I get on board the ship that leads me to the growth and the trust and the faith in you that I actually want in my life? And that's what's happening today. What's a beautiful thing is some of you in this room today, you were saved here. You came to Christ in this room, in this church. You came and you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You got to the end of yourself saying, God, I'm not the captain anymore, and I need you to be the captain of my life. And you basically asked him, and he came into your life. Do you realize that just on Sunday mornings, 
Last year, 2016, in this church, over 160 people gave their lives to Jesus, making a first-time decision in this room. Will you give it up for that? It's awesome. And that doesn't, I'm not counting like funerals or camps or what happens when we feed the homeless people and offer the gospel to them or any of our mission trips. I'm not talking about any of that. Just in here on a Sunday morning, that's what has happened last year. This year, year to date, we have over 140 first-time decisions for Christ. Will you give it up for that? It's awesome. And I believe that between now and the end of the year, we're going to exceed what God's doing because we pray, God, we want to be on board with what you're already doing with the people you're already drawing to yourself. It's not about us. It's, God, we want to be on board with what you've got going on, what you're already doing. Would you draw those people here that they would come to know you and you are an answer to prayer for us when God brings you here and he reveals the truth of himself to you and when you go, okay, God, you win. You win. You are God, I am not. I can't get myself to heaven. I can't buy my way out of my sin. God, I need to put my faith and trust in the sacrifice you, Jesus, made on the cross. It's a beautiful thing. You are in a place where you can come and receive the good news of Jesus. Not only that, you can go from spectating to participating. And so many of you in here, you've encountered God, you've accepted Christ, you're encountering him as we interact on a Sunday morning, but so many of you are going deeper and you've joined a circle group. And in a circle group, you've got people in your life who are praying for you and supporting you and encouraging you and lifting you up and correcting you and you're growing in the word with other friends. And so you've gone from encountering God to growing through community and then you're gonna say, hey, how do I use my gifts? I steward my time and my abilities in a way to serve, to assist and accept spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so many of you come on a Sunday morning and you celebrate and serve. If you're in this hour, it means many of you in this room, you served last hour. You served with kids. You served with youth. You served in, in greeting. You served in parking lot. You ser served in our security detail. You served in all these different areas. And so now you've served. Now you're going to celebrate. And we encourage you that you can go from celebrating on Sunday, like in a worship service like this, and then serve either on a Sunday morning or throughout the week as God has called you with your unique talents and abilities to steward your life in a way that builds his kingdom. It's awesome. You're encountering God, you're growing through community, and you're living your calling. Through the tithe, we have also been able to support efforts all over the world, relief efforts and mission efforts all over the world. And your generosity, your returning the tithe, makes this happen. The tithe provides for the work of God through his church. Uh, someone asked me before, hey, well, what if, would we still like have an offering every week if someone gave the church $2 million? $2 million, I mean, that'd, that'd solve a lot of problems. Wouldn't we pay off the building? We don't have any mortgage anymore. We could spend what we pay on mortgage and we could just raise up and do other missional work and kingdom work and staff and people in there. That'd be great. But would we keep taking the tithe? Yes. Why? Because it's not about what someone else gives. It's about me being a steward of what God has given me. That God says, Dave, you bring your first and your best and I'm going to bless the rest. I'm going to provide. I'm going to make that 90% go farther because you honor me with the 10th than you could make it go on your own. That's what God's saying. He's saying, 
that it provides through his work throughout the church so we would still have people give because it's returning to God what is his. Second, or third, uh, second blessing, but the third point in your outline, the tithe teaches me to put God first. We make a conscious choice to put God first. And right now when I'm looking in your eyes around the room, I, I can see some of you, you know, you start hearing the subject and you've got that desire inside just to be defensive and to feel like, oh, they're really talking about money. And the reason that you feel that is because money is the number one competitor for your heart. So don't blame yourself for feeling that or, or just feeling that thing rise up inside you. That, that, that's natural. That's of our flesh. But God's saying, that's great that that's of the flesh, but I want your heart. I want you to honor me with the first and the best. And the tithe, the tenth, is something that teaches us to put God's first. So when I look around the, the room right now, it's pretty awesome because I can see, and I don't know who all tithe is, tithes here, but I can look around and see some of you are kicking back, you're nodding, you're relaxing, you're just you're enjoying. Because why? Because you've tested God and you've seen him come through in this area in your life. You've honored God with the first. You're probably a tither and you're like, it works like God literally does more with 90% than I could do with 100% on my own. It's just awesome, and you're just relaxed, you're just chilling, you're enjoying yourself. And at the same time, some of you are in this room like, I can't believe we came today, <laughs> right? What in the world? Like, seriously, the one day we come, and this is what they're talking about. Some of you are like, ah, oh, I wish we hadn't come. Are you crazy? 10%? You're like, you have no idea. Like, I would have to free up resources that are tied up here. I'd have to rearrange my life. I'd have to, I already see what they take out of my paycheck, and I'd have to add on to that, and your, your, your mind is blown. You're like, I'd have to drive something different. I might have to live somewhere different. You're saying, I might have to reprioritize and change my whole life in order to put God first. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That it is our honor and our privilege to rearrange our life in order to put God first. Why? Because your heart is at stake. God wants your heart. It is so practical for you to rearrange your life and say, I choose to put God first. You know, I see people doing this all the time in other areas that aren't financial. They're saying, okay, you know what? I've been, maybe, maybe they've been living with a person and they're not married, but they're living like they're married and it's not okay and God gets a hold of their heart and then they come to me and they're like, we're gonna, it's our privilege to rearrange our whole life, to change things and to save ourselves for a future marriage, but we're gonna rearrange our life that we've built together because we realize for them, they realize God's laid on their heart that they're living wrong. And guess what? You see this relief well up in people you see these people that have freedom and this power because they're honoring God with the first of their life. It also happens with money. See, the first competitor for your heart is money. And we live with the false God of this age. You want to know what the false God of this age is, I believe? He has a name. The false God of this age is as I please. The biggest competitor for our heart is you. It's me. It's us saying, I want to honor myself above honoring God. And, and there are so many times where we want to say, the, the God of our culture is as I please. By the way, our culture teaches parents of children that the God should be their child who says, as I please. And parents sometimes have to come along and go, no, 
not as you please. And you're training and working with your children that it's not going to go your way. And maybe that temper tantrum doesn't work. And maybe that behavior doesn't work. And so we're going to train you because life doesn't revolve around you. We train you for right living. That's what we do. But God comes along in the same way and goes, you're just big kids, right? Some of us in this room are like, as I please. And it's the biggest competitor. What's at stake? Our heart's at stake. And let me just tell you something, just straight up from me. Listen, if, if this was about the church and about fundraising, if we were doing a fundraiser, we would be straight up with you about that. Hey, we are asking you, we're doing a fundraiser and we're going to do a capital campaign and it's going to do this, this, and this. And it's going to bless people across the world in India. And it's also going to bless here as we do some refresh. And if we're talking about a capital campaign, we're going to be straight up with you. And we're going to ask for generosity, sacrificial giving that's generous, but it's above and beyond the tithe. And we're going to be straight up with you about that. This is not that. This is returning to God the first because the tithe teaches us to put God First, it's the honor of rearranging and prioritizing your life around God. It teaches me to put God first. The third blessing of the tithe is that the tithe increases my faith in God. It increases my faith in God. It teaches me that 90%, here's the plus, watch, 90% plus God's blessing is way bigger than 100% without God's blessing. God will make your life go farther with 90% than he can with 100%. Listen, I've been a pastor, I've been a married pastor for 23 years. I got three kids who were at different degrees or levels in college. Uh, We've lived on one income for all that married life. One income. And we've tithed faithfully. And God has blessed And we have honored him, and I have seen God come through in some amazing ways that I could tell these stories. But you know what? If I tell it, it's like a bragamony. The thing is, what are your stories? Do you have stories in your life where you've tested God, and you've seen him come through in a way that that becomes your testimony of faith? This is what grew my faith. This is when I tested God, and I see him come through in an amazing way. The tithe increases my faith in God. Craig Rochelle tells a story of a pastor and the pastor was talking to a guy in his church and the guy's like, seriously, pastor, you have no idea. Like, we are so blessed. Like, literally, uh, God has just blessed my business. It's been growing. It's been going off the hook. It's crazy. In fact, I'm going to be making seven figures this year in my business, well over a million dollars. God has blessed my business. And the pastor says, man, that is great. Wow, that's amazing that God has done that. It must be awesome for you to be able to write and give away that much money toward the kingdom work of people accepting and assisting the spreading of the good news of Jesus. That must be awesome for you to write that check. And the guy's face kind of falls and he goes, well, we'll be honest. Um, my wife and I, we used to be faithful tithers. Like when I made 40 grand, we tithe faithfully. And when I made 60 grand, we tithe faithfully. And when I made 80 grand, it was no problem. But, but I got to be honest with you, Pastor. Now that we make well over that, I'm just struggling with the idea of writing that check. And the pastor's like, are you kidding me? Like the more God blesses you with, 
You're not worshiping him back by honoring him with the first in your life? And the guy's like, I know, I know, pastor. Would you pray for me? So the pastor leans over, puts his hand on his shoulder, says, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would reduce this man's income to the level that he can trust you with. And the guy's like, no, no, don't pray that. He goes, yep, I'm going to pray that every day. The tithe, it teaches you to trust God and it builds your faith. Here's the crazy thing. God is testing us to see where our heart is, but also he's asking us to test him back. He's saying in this area, in this thing, this is where you get to test me back. This is the only place in scripture where we're encouraged to test God back because, and it's hard. Why? Because you think money is your source. You think that it's your security. And God says, I'm going to give you a chance to test me so you can see just how good I am. Listen to what he says in Malachi 3.10. He says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And listen, some people think like, oh, so if I give, I get a lot more money. Well, that's not necessarily the case. What is true is God's going to let your 90% go farther, but at times you're going to have the security of putting God first in your life. That instead of you freaking out and being driven by money all the time, you're going to trust God as your source. You're going to have a peace. You're going to have an innocence that money can't buy. You're going to honor God. How much does it cost you to honor God? Well, there's a cost to honoring God with the first, but let me tell you what. Honoring God with the first buys you self-respect and confidence and trust in God. And let me tell you, money alone can't buy that. We honor God with the first. God says, put me to the test with the tenth. The tenth means one out of what? Ten, right? One out of ten. That's what tenth means. It's a tenth. That's what it is. That's what tithe means, right? Ten's an important number. How many commandments were there in the Ten Commandments? You guys are sharp, right? Ten. Everyone say ten. How many plagues did he send to test Pharaoh's heart? Ten, right? If you know your New Testament, how many bridesmaids were tested to see if they were prepared for the return of the bridegroom? Ten, right? How many lepers were healed? Now, only one came back and gave thanks to Jesus, but how many lepers did Jesus heal at one time? Ten, right? How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve, right? <laughs> testing some of you. Twelve disciples. See, God wants to know. Are you going to love and trust money, or are you going to love and trust God? Will you return 10% to God? You can and you should test God. See, the person sitting next to you likely at some point, I don't know their life and you don't know their life, but likely at some point, the person sitting next to you at some point said, okay, God, this is scary. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to test you, and Lord, you better come through because, oh my goodness, like this is, there's so much at stake. And they wrote that check, or they texted to give, or whatever they did, and, and, and they have just seen God come through. And they said, this is a lifelong honoring God with the first, not a temporary thing, not a seasonal thing, but God, from here on out, you are going to be God of my life in the area of stewardship. And they have seen God again and again, be faithful, they would say, I cannot outgive God. He blesses me with so much. I'll tell you that when you honor God with put him to the test with a tithe, God will prove himself faithful. 
He says, test me, put God to the test. You want to try it? For the next three months, let's say between now and Christmas, let's say you put God to the test. And you're like, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put you to the test. And I'm going to see if you're faithful. And here's the thing. It's not between you and the church. It's between you and God that you're going to honor him. God, I am going to, to honor you practically. I'm going to rearrange my life. I'm going to honor you with returning to you 10%. And for the next three months, you just watch and see. God, are you going to prove yourself faithful to me? How are you going to do it? And I guarantee you, if you do that faithfully at the end of those three months, you're going to be like, God has done the impossible. Listen, some of you in this room, you've been sitting your entire life and you're saying, God, prove yourself to me. Prove to me that you exist. I have been waiting my entire life to see you do something amazing and great. And God is saying, okay, this is between me and you. Test me in this. Because here it is. Your whole life you've been waiting for me. God, do something amazing. Answer these things. Do it, And God's going, here it is. You test me. It's between you and me. You test me in this. And God is giving you that opportunity, he wants to see, he wants you to see with your heart that you can love him, you can trust him, and that he's more than real. He is living and active in your life, in my life, and our job is to honor him and get on board the ship of stewardship. It's time to take off the captain hat and put it down, walk out of the bridge, and get back on board with being the kingdom of God. Not being kind of the kingdom of God, but being the kind of people who in their hearts say, God, you are my source. I'm gonna trust you in my finances. I'm gonna trust you with my time. I'm gonna trust you with my abilities, my talents. I want to be on the ship of stewardship with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want you to realize that the first thing that any of us have given to the Lord is our life. God doesn't say, give me your money first. Nobody buys their way into heaven. Nobody bribes God. But what we do is we give him our life first. We say, God, I'm lost in my sin. I know my shame. I know that I couldn't pay enough money to be guilt-free from where I've been and what I've done and what I think. And the first thing we do is we get to the end, the first captain's hat we take off is the one that says, I'm the God of my life. And we say, no, no, Lord, I'm gonna trust that your death on the cross, your burial, your resurrection, that you offer me eternal life and forgiveness of my sin. And if that's you today, you're saying, God, I need that. That's what I'm here for today. I need you to wash me and make me as white as snow. God, I need to know with the assurance that I have everlasting life that when my time on this earth is done, you're not done with me. Just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if that's your prayer in your heart this morning, would you just talk to God? It's just, we call it praying, but really it's just a human being talking to our creator. And you say something like this, Jesus, today I give you me. I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you rose to new life, that you are God. I ask you to make me a new creation on the inside, washing me as white as snow. Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And right now, I just wanna transition a little bit as we're still praying. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you 
today are willing to take a test to tithe God to God, then I want to pray for you. And so let me just pray right now. Here's what I want to do. If today, just by God's work in your, His Holy Spirit in your heart, if He is challenging you to take a test to tithe over the next three months, will you just raise your hand right where you're at? all over the room, hands up all over. With your hand up, let me just pray for you. Jesus, I'm gonna come along right now and pray for my brothers and sisters that, Lord, you would prove yourself faithful, that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they would not look that somebody else or something else bailed out them out, but that, God, you met their need. Lord, would you make yourself so real to them that they cannot argue with the fact that you are a living and active God, that you honor those who honor you with the first God, I pray for my friends. Would you give them faith over fear? For some, Lord, they're a single parent in this room. It's gonna be tough. They're a college student. They're a, a married couple and think they're crushed under debt. And God, I pray that as they tithe, you would release them from debt faster than they would get out trying to manage it on their own. God, I pray for the single parent who's like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know where my lunch money is gonna come from. If I honor you, God, would you provide and be their source? God, would you provide for every person who takes this challenge that they would honor you? We love you. We praise you, God. We right now in advance praise you for the way that you're gonna meet their need. God, I can't wait to hear the stories of those who test you and find that you prove yourself faithful. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.